Welcome back, everyone, to the Dream Chasers podcast. Your host for today, myself, Jairo, along with Steven and Rafael. And today, our topic is going to be multiple streams of income. Um, I wanted to start off by mentioning uh, three different categories that, you know, I whenever I think about this topic, that really come to mind. So number one way of making income is whatever you can personally produce for yourself, whether that's through self-employment uh, of something that you sell or a service that you offer, or where you're just working out of a job. That What I'm trying to get at is whatever it is that you're personally doing that's taking up your personal hours of your day. Second way of looking, the second source of income that I always consider is business revenue. When you create a business, right, the point of being able to have a business is to walk away from that business and create a lifestyle so that the business is creating revenue while you're away. Now, uh, that comes along with the other thing is leveraging OPT, other people's time, as I like to refer to it. So, uh, you know, when that can be very similar to a business, but it, you can, there's also businesses that don't require necessarily uh, for you to have other people. So now uh, I want to go go ahead and invite Stephen and Rafael to kind of chime in on their thoughts. So Stephen, what do you got going on as far as multiple streams of income? Um, currently, so you know, as we mentioned in the last episode, we work together doing um, financial services with Jairo and Rafael, and then I also do real estate, um, helping people buy, sell, invest um, in real estate. So those are currently my two streams of income where we've been talking collectively, all three of us, or, yeah, all three of us on opening up some other businesses, which will, you guys will see down the line if you're going to keep following our journey, um, which will expand outside of financial services and real estate. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening in, in the background, in the works. Um, but honestly, 100% is, you know, my question is like, who can really survive on one income nowadays? It, it's it's super rare nowadays to see somebody surviving off one uh, one stream of income. And anybody that's successful, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody that's successful always has multiple streams of income. Yeah, as a matter of fact. So here at HGI, we have what we call an HGI TV where Huber gets on a live Zoom call every single day and kind of talks about what we're doing as a company, where we're changing. And um, and I remember him talking about multiple streams or multiple ways of making income. Right now with everything that's going on with the pandemic, a lot of people that didn't have different sources of revenue, if they were just depending on their job, right now most of them don't have a job. I think uh, just last week, 1.2 or 1.3 million people filed for unemployment. And uh, although some people are getting their jobs back, there's about 15 million businesses that didn't open up again. And obviously, those businesses all have maybe two or three employees. So multiply that times three. And that's how you get your 30, 40 million people that are unemployed. Well, imagine if those people would have had a side hustle. Now, we hear this side hustle thing all the time. We hear do drop shipping, do uh, Amazon, whatever, do social media marketing, do and look. That's cool, right? I mean, I, I think I'm going to let Steven, you want to say something? No, I don't, just oh, okay. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, yeah. So, and look, that's cool. The, the, the fact that you're looking for something else because you're, you're going to be better off than other people that are not looking for something else. But I think the purpose for today is to talk about real ways of making real income, right? A real business and having real sources of revenue, not just depending on one. So, for example, um, 
when you start making a lot of money, you have to figure out and places to park your cash because you can't just have it in one bank. You got to have it in multiple banks and different types of investments. Uh, if you talk to uh, people that are really good friends of ours, like Steve Gross, Hubert, Mauricio, Adam, like all these dudes have a lot of money and they don't have their money all in one place. They have a little bit of everything. They have a lot of money in insurance. They have a lot of money in businesses. They have a lot of money in real estate. They have a lot of money in, I mean, stocks, in oil, in everything that you can think of. Um, but again, it's because they're looking for different ways of a source or different sources to continue to make money if one business stops. Now, before I continue, I have a question for Jairo and Steven. So I, I was looking at Instagram uh, yesterday and one of these memes came to my attention and it was asking a question uh, where it was asking you who you would rather be, Warren Buffett or Jeff Bezos. And the reason why is because if you look at Jeff Bezos, but the majority, about 90% of his, of his net worth is stuck in Amazon, right? It's in one company. And if you look at uh, uh, Warren Buffett, like 90% of his assets are spread out and diversified in different industries and different companies. So my question to you guys is, who would you rather be? Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett? So for me, I think I would rather be Warren Buffett. And here's why. Uh, I don't think Jeff Bezos is doing anything wrong, but I, I super respect the fact that Warren Buffett uh, has is one of the truest forms of being an investor. He doesn't go out and start many companies that I'm aware of. He goes in there and invests in something, takes over it, and, and now he is he's he usually controls the majority stake of a company and we're talking about big companies and there's a quote that i recently heard that i think is super powerful ownership doesn't matter it what, what's important is who has control of an asset so if i have control of an asset like warren buffett he's got control of a lot of assets right that that's why he's he's an investor and a manager of investments and because of that because he has control over something like coca-cola so there was a story that I heard about Warren Buffett where he eventually was able to get a majority stake of Coca-Cola, raise the price by a couple pennies, and increase the revenue of that business by $3 billion. He didn't have to create a new product. He didn't have to start a new business. He didn't have to do anything besides raise the price two pennies. No one noticed. He had full control of that business in order for him to be able to do that. So 100%, I'd rather be Warren Buffett. Yeah, same answer. I'd rather be Warren Buffett if I had the opportunity. Uh, for the same reason, for the diversified portfolio. And you look at Warren Buffett, he's more of the long-term game. Uh, a lot of people, especially nowadays with social media and all that stuff, everybody wants the quick dollar right now. Um, so everybody's always willing to jump ship for the next big thing. And if you know, like if you see the history of things, there's always something else that's going to come out and outdo what it is that you have if you're not on your game. So you know, going to what's his name, uh, Jeff Bezos. If he doesn't keep up with what he, you know, gets complacent and stuff, um, eventually somebody's gonna come and take over the yeah. the whole e-commerce game that that he took over. So, you know, having ninety percent, as Rafael said, invested in that, somebody comes and takes over, he's he's pretty much done for. Versus you got Warren, who's just he's a G, bro. He's a G. <laughs> now, also keep in mind, so uh, like, let, I'll answer that question. I'd rather be Warren Buffett as well. I think Warren Buffett is worth, and I'm sure Hyro correct me on this, but I think he's worth about sixty billion dollars or so. Is it? Is he worth more? Seventy? Uh, so it's closer to like ninety. 
I, I, well, well, this is the thing. It's because he's always giving away his money. So, like, if he wasn't giving away his money right now, he'd still be probably the wealthiest person in the world. According to Google, $79.7 billion. Oh, see, there you go. And I think Jeff Bezos is worth over $110 billion or so. But still, I mean, at that point, it doesn't even matter. So, I mean, billions and hundreds of billions, it's almost... It, like, the crazy thing, just, just reading his little portfolio, the very first line says Warren Buffett is consistently one of the wealthiest people in the world. And if you look at, like, that Forbes, like, all those lists, there's a lot of people that fall off and they come back on and fall off. To be consistently on there, like, that says something. Right. So, um, but again, like, if like Warren Buffett says, it's you only have to get rich one time. So, I mean, right now, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. And the thing that a lot of you guys don't understand is that once you understand how finances work, like if he set up his trust, his living wills, his, his life insurance trust, like there is no way in hell that his future generations would run out of money. That's why like this, I don't know if you guys have heard of like the Rothschilds or or the Rockefeller, actually it'd be the Rockefellers. Well, Rothschilds is some conspiracy oh, stuff that yeah. we'll talk about some other some day. Deep stuff, dog. Don't get me started. <laughs> let's 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 just say the Rockefellers. Like the Rockefellers were wealthier than than countries for hundreds of years. They were the bankers to countries that would fund wars. And there's a reason because one dude became super rich one time, and then he put into the right places to make sure that his future generations would always have that generational wealth. So let me chime in real quick since you mentioned the Rockefellers. I just finished reading a book um, regarding the, the story of the Rockefellers. And it specifically details there how they specifically use a life insurance policy and a trust combined to create generational wealth that would never run out. And so when we're talking about, you know, saving, investing, financial planning, uh, you know, and all these things that people discuss when ultimately right when we're talking about wanting to live a good life right that's the goal of money the money and the number of zeros behind it don't matter is the whole point is the lifestyle we want to have that lifestyle and be able to provide the lifestyle for our people but i just wanted to throw out there that you know that's what they use and so if someone that smart that made that much money is using it and you're not that's something to consider because there's even though people think as much as people think that you know the wealthy have secrets you know, they do, but they don't, if that makes sense. So, um, uh, Stephen, I don't know if you wanted to tell us a little bit more about uh, the different ways about your, your real estate income, or if Rafael was going to be talking about more diving into the different income streams uh, that you navigate with. Yeah, so for me personally, um, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I do real estate and financial services. Um, and at first it was a kind of like a conflicting internal battle as to like how I was going to do both just because I felt like they were both um, totally different. I just didn't think or see how I can do both. Um, and then from speaking to people, a lot of people always told me, oh, you need to do one or the other. You can't do both. And me being Hispanic and stubborn, I was just like, all right, bro, like tell me I can't do something. Watch me do it. Um, so I, it took me a minute. It took me a long time to figure out how it is I could do the two because for a minute I did believe that like I, I can't do both. Um, but when I started realizing what it is that I'm trying to do, like the bigger purpose in my business outside of just helping somebody buy and sell or somebody invest in real estate or whatever. Um, I talked about a few episodes back that my main purpose in life is to help people. 
and how is it that I can help them for a long-term um, situation? You know, because when you help somebody buy and sell a house, um, the most coverage or or um, protection that you're helping them with is offering them a one-year home warranty. And that's not even you paying it. Sometimes the agent pays it, but the majority is the seller paying that for the buyer in order to say, hey, I'm giving you a good house. And in case something does happen, here's this warranty is going to cover it for the first year that you own it. And basically that's it. That's the only protection that us as agents give to our clients. Um, you know, but sitting down with Rafael and him going more into detail about what it is, the different services that we offer and how it is that we can have, offer maximum protection, but at the same time, build something that they could leave, um, you know, to their kids and, and create that generation, generational wealth that we're not really taught anywhere else, um, really intrigued me. That's where I started seeing my clients and thinking, how else can I protect them? And how can I protect them if, you know, the breadwinner of the of the home ends up being disabled or passes away? Um, uh, you know, what if one of them gets a, like a life-threatening disease or, or just something that was going to basically bankrupt them? If you guys know anything about these types of situations, death or terminal illnesses, they bankrupt you. They literally leave you with nothing. So how is it that I could protect my client to make sure that they still have a home and have some sort of foundation if these things were to happen? And I found this through um, the different uh, products and services that, that we offer. And for me, it's super easy um, to tie the two together because, like I said, it's a protection. It's a way of helping my clients not just um, in that purchase of that home and being happy about it, but really making sure that they're protected for, for the long term. Um, and not just them, obviously, for, for generations to come. Um, because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change generations. We're not just trying to, uh, you know, get a quick sale or make a quick commission. It has nothing to do with that. Um, the people in this room, us three, we really look at people as people and we really want to help them. We see them as if they were our parents, as if they were our brothers or sisters or somebody close to us that we care about, because that's, that's what business is. No one stays in business, you know, screwing people over. Um, you are really here to help people out through the long term and really, be that transparent person that that the world needs you know kind of like a batman yeah and think about it like this um like like being raised in a home is so much different than being raised in an apartment and uh and let me tell you because i was raised in both like half of my life i was raised in an apartment and then i came to a house and it felt like a home and uh and it it gives you a steady foundation so if you have a realtor and they're just selling you a house but that's it you got steven right here like you gotta realize that there's there's people who really shape themselves to be able to help your whole foundation and your home and create stability and and care about where you're gonna be five years 10 years 15 years 20 years down the line to change generations so by Steven taking on those two roles, he's he's kind of like the complete package when it comes to like your go to person, you know, so that's that's what I would say. I think that's pretty smart that he's doing both in the real estate side and the financial side because they complement themselves uh, very well. As far as like with me, when it comes to diversification of different income streams, well, you know, with me, I, I, I like the idea that I don't always have to be working to make money, right? I don't always have to be with the client to make money. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the ways that I'm uh, currently uh, diversifying my income streams and how I'm making money in different ways. The first one is, well, just like Cairo said, personal production. What does that mean? I sit down with the client. 
and we go over their goals and their aspirations. And then I give recommendations and I walk them through the process and I help them create some sort of retirement account and a strategy that they'll depend on for the rest of their lives. So that's one. The second one is I do a lot of field training. So I got a buddy who's really good at marketing. And so whenever he has an overflow of clients that he can't handle, he asks me to go and help these clients. And so on my free time, when I don't have appointments, I'll do some of his appointments and I'm field training. I'm on the field training either other people, other associates or other clients for him. And that's another way that I'm getting paid. The third one is override income. So override income means I have an office here in Clearfield. I have people in Florida, Illinois, California, North Carolina, Texas. And so when they go out and they, cause I've trained them and they create a sale, meaning they help the family to start some sort of retirement account, they get paid the majority of the commission, but I trained them. So without me, they wouldn't have known how to help that family. So I get a little piece off the top and then I have agency expansion income. Again, I just mentioned different states and every different state we're building offices all across the country, all across the continent, meaning uh, Canada, Mexico and and uh, the United States. So every single time I open an office, I get an uh, a percentage of the volume every single month. And so if you create a good established office, a good established office will produce fifty thousand a month, a hundred thousand a month. And I, and maybe these numbers are too big for you guys to to gather, or maybe they're too small for you guys to think about. I don't know. I don't know who who's listening to this. But just imagine earning 15, 10 to 15% off of a volume of an office. You're talking about five to $15,000 a month without you doing anything. And then you're talking about residual income. So we were talking about these fat 25 cent residuals that we get every year, right? And uh, it sounds funny, but when we help a client create a retirement account, we get paid on that account one time up front, and then we get paid every single year again and again and again, anywhere from 11 years to 100 years, depending on the product and the company and and, uh, and the strategy. Uh, so I have researchers that pay me 25 cents a year, which doesn't sound like much, but if you don't got to do anything for it, they stack up. And then I got other researchers that pay me $3,000 a month. And I'm talking about one client. I'm not talking about a combination of different kinds of clients. That's just one. And then the, I think the most important one right now that I'm really focused on is the equity share credits. What's equity share credits? Just like Cairo said, Warren Buffett, what is Warren Buffett doing? Warren Buffett takes over companies and he goes in there and he takes the majority share, the majority uh, controlling, he controls the assets. So here where, where I'm at, I'm helping build a business. Like that's my number one investment is building a business. And so by building a business, when we go through an acquisition or we go through going, going public, I get a share, an equity share based on how much money out of every dollar that I bring. And so when that event happens, I'll get a fat bonus. So I'll get a bunch of stock that I can sell. And earlier I said, you only got to get rich one time. So what does that mean? Once I have all that extra money, what do you think I got to do? I can't keep it in the bank. That means that if Steven wants to go buy 50 houses to invest, Let's go. If if uh, Hira wants to start 10 property management companies or one huge ass one all over Canada and Mexico and the US, let's go. Whatever, whatever. But the, but there has to be a way to start. And so that's the way that I'm creating my diversification of multiple streams of making money. So I don't know what, what else Hira uh, and Steven want to say, but those are just my two cents. Yeah, and I, I I didn't even mention that, but that's um, when it comes to how you know diversifying the multiple streams of income. Like that's 
basically what, what we're doing. Um, right now, Rafael is helping uh, me to establish a team and all that stuff in order to, um, like like Hiro mentioned at the beginning, to um, leverage. Uh, leverage other people's time. There you go. I, I had a brain fart there, but leverage leverage other people's uh, leverage other people's time, and because that's the, that's the biggest goal. Um, which has, it, it's it's a it's a journey. Like for like, if you guys don't and have never been in business for yourself, like it's a journey. There's a lot of ups and downs. Um, right now, you know, just being completely tra transparent. Um, right now I'm going through a rebuilding phase of mine and I know Rafael's going through the same, um, because I went through a period, a couple of months where it was just like growing. I think at the highest, I had 23 people that were working alongside me to help build this that were directly under me. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, everybody just fell off. Um, just because it was too hard. Um, they just lost, you know, their why wasn't strong enough. Basically they didn't refer back to it. So it's like going backwards now and starting to try to rebuild that again um and it's it's just a part of the journey that's just that's just what it is being in business like you know you, most people can take that and be like you know what forget it. it doesn't work i'm gonna go do something else or you can say all right i did it once what can i take away from this and not do it again and that's that's where i'm at now um in my in my journey i guess you can say um but yeah multiple streams of income are everywhere and, and like i said like us and you know me um Jairo and and rafael are just constantly thinking of different ways that we can you know, make more money while also having fun. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is like doing things um, so that you can enjoy the the business aspect of it. Cool. So <clears throat> I'll just say a few things and then we'll get this one wrapped up. So the there's a fact that I've heard for a long time. and I, I can't think about where it came from, but I'm sure it's pretty accurate. I try to Google it, but you know, they say the average millionaire has seven streams of income. And I think we've talked about almost a dozen streams of income today. And uh, so, you know, if you're wondering how to do it, you know, what I can say is that there's more than one way, but you got to find the way that works out for you and then find out, you know, what is your goal? Is it, you know, to just personally produce and work for the rest of your life? Or is it to maybe think about building a business and helping other people or leveraging people's time in order for you to build a business for yourself, but not by yourself. So you're still having t some good times. Um, and uh, if, if there's uh, any questions uh, regarding anything that we said today and you guys want to know more about, feel free to reach out and keep an eye out for our future podcast coming soon. And we'll talk to you later. See ya.